popped up. All right. Hi, I'm George. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and uh, I live in a, I live in Hercules, California, where that's a suburb of San Francisco. And I see people from, let's see, I had somebody from Berkeley reading from Salt Lake and there's Montreal and there's New York and uh, what else did I see? Oregon, Florida. So <laughs> I guess this is not exclusively uh, uh, a presentation uh, coming from England. Where where am I anyway? Did, somebody said Devon um, or where? where Hendon, where, where Hend 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 North London. Oh, Hampton. North Hendon. Hampton. Hendon. Hendon. Oh, okay. I thought somebody had said Devin. Okay, Hinton. All right. Very good. Um, so uh, let me start off uh, with where I got uh, the my favorite saying, which we which uh, uh, was for purposes of the poster, uh, and it's actually on page four twenty five of the big book. Um, uh, a young man in college about ready to <laughs> get himself kicked out of college because of the excessive drinking uh, out of control and under that kind of pressure. He went to his first meeting and he says, looking back, that may have been the first healthy decision I ever made with respect to alcohol. One definition of a bottom is the point when the last thing you lost or the next thing you're about to lose is more important to you than drink. Boy, if that doesn't say it all for me. Um, I'm also going to read quickly from uh, page 307 of the big book. Um, shortly after I was starting to work on the program, I realized that I was not a good father. I wasn't a good husband, but oh, I was a good provider. I never robbed my family of anything. I gave them everything except the greatest thing in the world, and that is peace of mind. Um, those are very good descriptions of George the alcoholic. Um, and I wanted to talk today about step one. The most fundamental of all steps and without that we're not in the program at all we admitted we're powerless over alcohol that our lives have become unmanageable at some point we did that for the first for the very first time um, but it's also important for us as we say you know we work the steps continually don't not to skip over that one well i already did that <laughs> you know i don't have to go through that one again let's go right to two um, we need to stop every once in a while and, and, and realize, you know, <laughs> yes, I became sober, um, but, you know, life did not become a bowl of cherries. Uh, there, I was still challenged with, uh, with matters that I needed to take care of, uh, that I needed to manage, that I needed to figure out, uh, that caused me worry, uh, or pain. And I need to be able to handle those things uh, without alcohol. And so it's it's very important for us to remember that, that that we have to stay on top of the first step. Um, I'm currently reading a book uh, 
not an AA book. <laughs> this is one I'm reading for pleasure, and it's called Hester. <laughs> um, and I just started it. Uh, it was actually one my wife picked out and I grabbed it before she started to read it. Uh, and it, uh, as you can probably tell from the title, Hester, Hester Prynne <laughs> is a character, uh, uh, and it involves um, the Salem witch trials in Massachusetts and uh, ones that preceded it uh, in uh, uh, Scotland, actually, uh, historically. Um, and as I was starting to read this book, you know, the, they talk about witches and the devil that was, that was believed to be inside them. And it just crossed my mind, you know, I have a devil inside me. <laughs> uh, it's an alternate George. And all I have to do is take a drink and the devil comes out, the other George. And, and in my case, that's all it would take. One, one drink and I'm off. I'm off and running. It might be fun for a while, but it's going to be tragic. And I have to remember that always. Um, now, I'm not one who um, uh, has a lot in my background that was really horrible. <laughs> we, we hear a lot of stories in these AA meetings and, and you go, oh my God, how, how did he handle that? Uh, but um, I never had a DUI, what we call a DUI here, drinking and getting, getting caught driving while intoxicated. I never went to jail. Um, I never had a divorce. I came very close to every single one of those. <laughs> uh, and, and, and let me let me tell you how how some of that went. Um, I um, I was new on my job, uh, fresh out of college, and it was a good job. And I was traveling we were traveling and um we decided we were going to go uh, to some clubs and i made the mistake of thinking that i could do the drinking and i could do the driving and so there was there must have been six of us <laughs> in my car <laughs> and i went and was driving from one club to the other and i there there come the red lights and i got pulled over i ended up uh in handcuffs in the back of a cop car and they took me in to give me a uh, breathalyzer test and i thought i was completely screwed and i was going to lose this job um uh <laughs> at the time the uh the legal limit was was 1.0 uh, percent alcohol. Uh, it's lower than that now in the U.S. Uh, 0.8. I guess it is. <laughs> but at, at that time it was 1.0. And uh, so they took me in and I'm I'm trying to do all of those breathing things you think you can do that are going to make you sober and going to clean up your breath and <laughs> you think you're going to be okay. Because I was, you know, 22 years old and completely stupid. Um, and um, so they had me blow into the the cops had me blow into this uh you know <laughs> the breathing tube and absolutely nothing happened and i went ha i'm out of here they don't even 
It's not even registering. That breathing stuff I was doing work. Excuse me, I have to let my cat out the door. Um, and then <laughs> the way they did it back then, um, the machines they used, the breath had your alcohol breath had to go through some some analysis first or something in the machine after a couple of minutes he pushes a button and this needle starts to move and it moves and it's going up and it's going up and it's going up and it's getting closer to one and it lands on and stops at 1.0 um and um so the cop says uh, come with me and um there's another another cop right there that says, well, how do you do? And the guy says, 1.0. And I thought the cop said, uh, hi. And I said, oh, hi. He says, no, I said, bye. Um, he went and talked to his uh, sergeant, I guess, or whoever was, was running the, the police station at the time. And uh, he took me to a door and I thought they're taking me into the cells. I'm just completely screwed. And he opened the door and it's the lobby. And one of my friends is sitting in the lobby waiting for me. And he hands me my license and he says, you better be careful tonight. <laughs> You're very lucky, but uh, my supervisor said to let you go. <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's one incident, you know, when I say I, I never got a DUI. I probably should have at that point, but I didn't. Um, I never went to jail. I probably should have at that point. Um, and I, I never had a divorce uh, or a separation from my wife and my family, but I came very close to that, and I'll get to that later. Um, I um, first got introduced to the program four years before I became sober to stay. Um, uh, <laughs> I was going to the, uh, I was in, in graduate school, which, uh, you accomplish on, uh, from your job, uh, going up there two weeks, two weeks, uh, at a time when I went to the University of Washington. Um, and, uh, I was into heavy drinking at this point. Uh, I was 30. Uh, 36 years old, I guess. Um, but I was drinking heavily and had the night before and uh, was very hungover and got picked up by friends and they drove me to the airport. And, and I thought my wife was looking sorry for me as, as we were leaving. <laughs> she was actually pretty angry. Um, And so we went, we went up to uh, Seattle, uh, flew up there, and then I proceeded to drink once I, I drank all the way up there, and I drank once I got up there, and had the bad sense, you know, I always did the wrong thing at the wrong time. <laughs> I had the bad sense to call home that night. Um, and uh, she could tell I was drunk, and uh, at the time we were seeing a, a a marriage counselor and uh, uh, she called him not not long after that and said she wanted to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with him um, 
and went in to talk to him. And he said, well, I, I know what the central problem is in your marriage. Your husband is an alcoholic. Uh, she said, no, it's not that bad. He just drinks a lot. <laughs> uh, even she was, was trying to defend me. Um, but he, he convinced her that, that something had to be done here and that um, she needed to make it clear that our marriage was over if, unless I started to go to AA meetings. So when I came back after two weeks, uh, she confronted with, with me with that the very first night and she says that this is where an AA meeting is and you're going to go uh not that night <clears throat> it was a couple of nights later I was really hacked off about that I couldn't believe it. I'm not an alcoholic I'm not going to go to AA meetings but <laughs> you know uh with that kind of pressure I decided well I guess I will um so I um uh, quite reluctantly, got in my car a couple of nights later and drove to this this meeting. Well, I was going to be real cute. I was going to give them a different name. Uh, my name is George, but that's my middle name, so I was going to give them my first name. Um, and uh, uh, I was going to just see how long I had to go do these things before <laughs> I could get out of going to them again. Um, and I walked into the room and there's right, right across from where I walked in the door, um, there's somebody I knew. <laughs> I had no idea he was an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, he and I both drank, but, uh, and we both looked at each other and looked away. Um, I was very reluctant to admit I was an alcoholic and I was not about to do that, but I, I took I, I couldn't, I, you know, I stayed silent during the meeting, but, you know, I was surprised about, like like we all experience in our first meeting, holy cow, these people, <laughs> you know, they've got their heads together, there's some smiles, laughter, there's some serious talk. Um, this this isn't bad. I, I could probably benefit from this. And it wasn't more than a few meetings in, I finally stood up and said, my God, I'm an alcoholic. Now, like I say, this was four years before I got sober to stay because as while well, I bought into the program um, and was starting to work on the steps, I was collecting chips and I got I got six months out and I found myself in a situation where a bunch of people that that uh, I worked with and I was I was um, in, in a different location on a, on a detail detailed to to another office and uh, and here were people that I had previously known and worked with and drank with and they were all collecting together and come on George let's go out and let's have a few uh, after work and so I went along and I still remember struggling with myself yeah I'm gonna have a drink no I'm not gonna have a drink yeah I'm gonna have a drink no I'm not gonna have a drink and there I am at the bar and when the bartender <laughs> comes to me and puts his hand out and says, what, what are you going to have? And the first thing out of my mouth was a martini straight up. And <laughs> there went the program. Um, I managed to get um, back with my sponsor when that trip was over and uh, admit 
what had happened. And he says, then you have to get back into it. And I did. I lasted six months and something very similar happened. Um, uh, the drinking took over. And again, like I say, I lost four years. Um, I got to, um, uh, well, let me just grab a couple of other things. I, like I say, I was always doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. Um, there was a situation, uh, <laughs> there, there was a very nice pub, not far. <laughs> it was like two blocks from where I worked. And I really liked going down there and having a drink or two at lunch. And there, there was a time when, uh, there was a day when my parents were visiting. I grew up in Idaho. Uh, and, uh, uh, that's where my parents still lived and they were down in San Francisco visiting. And so they were going, they and my wife were going to come meet me after work in the city and I was going to take them out to dinner. And so I thought, I'm going to go have a couple of drinks at lunch. Well, I ended up spending half the afternoon down there. <laughs> I got completely blotted. <laughs> um, and I can still see uh, my wife came in first to meet me in the office and I had walked down to ask somebody a question and I wasn't at my desk. And I can still see her coming down. Uh, uh, I can still see him, still see my wife walking down this hallway to meet me with a big smile on her face and all of a sudden her face just drops she can see the condition that I'm in. And we're gonna meet my parents and take them out and look at me, look at me. I didn't have enough sense not to drink that one day, not to drink excessively that one day. That's an alcoholic, that's George. That's somebody who thought he took the first step and look at, look at what he did. Um, I, um, Uh, I read you that section about um, I, about the person who said, well, he was a good provider, but he, he was a lousy father and a lousy husband. That was me. Um, I had a good job. I had a good income. I never lost that. Um, and I got, there was, a, there was a, a time when the boss calls me. <laughs> Uh, and he calls me in his office and he said, and he gives me a major promotion. And this is late in the day. And he says, I tell you what, call your wife. I'm calling my wife and they'll meet us and I'm taking you to dinner. And oh, this is great. Um, I proceeded to drink myself asleep that night. I, w I woke up at the table, um, always doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. That's an alcoholic. That's somebody who needs the first step. But I couldn't seem to wake up from this. Um, what eventually happened was that uh, 1980, uh, my sobriety date is September 7th, 1986. Um, it was a Sunday morning. I had got completely drunk the day before, as I had many days. And uh, and that night, um, and um, that was on September 6th. And I woke up on the morning of September 7th. My wife, that was a Sunday. My wife had gotten up and gone to church. 
I didn't. Um, and the first thing I thought of was, uh, well, I had a bad hangover, but I need, I was getting a little low on, on my supply of alcohol. And so I, let's take inventory, <laughs> not inventory of George, inventory of alcohol that I need to restore. Um, and so I'm in the process of doing that. And my wife comes home and she says, what are all those bottles out in the garage? Who's been drinking those? And I said, not me. Uh, um, and she says, oh yeah. And she went and she got this box of bottles that were out there and they were all nearly empty. And she threw them at me in the kitchen and the box broke and they started rolling all around on the floor and we started to yell at each other. Um, and that's when I had my moment of clarity right in the middle of arguing with her, right in the middle of yelling at her, and she's yelling at me, I just stopped. I just stopped. And suddenly I couldn't do it anymore. That was it. The night before had been my last drink and I didn't know that. Um, that was September 7th, 1986. Um, let me, uh, I wanted to read something to you, um, from a little book my, my wife gave me. <laughs> she's, she's in a program too. It's not AA. <laughs> it's for something else. And it's called, if God is your co-pilot, switch seats. <laughs> God needs to be the pilot. Um, but there's a, a little something on surrender. I mean, and, and that's exactly what I did right then. That's, that's, that's where surrender started for, for George. Um, this, this only takes a minute. This is several pages long, but it's a lot of space in it. Have you ever lost your car keys? You look and you look and you look and you look until finally you run out of places to search. So you go back and look in all of the old places again and again and again. I'm getting a, a notice here. Is this coming from you? It says stop session. No? Okay, that's just on my PC. I don't know why it's asking me to do that. Um, okay, so you go back and look in all the old places again and again and again, but alas, no keys. Finally, exhausted, frustrated, hopeless, and out of steam, you throw up your hands in the air. I give up. The keys are lost. You let go and move on. Just about then, the most amazing thing happens. Suddenly, sometimes immediately, your keys turn up. <laughs> ha! There they are, right in front of me. They had been all the time, you exclaim. How about that? Your day is made. What was given up for lost is amazingly found, and all is right with the world again. What a miracle, you marvel. And you're right, it is a miracle of surrender. When you finally give up trying to solve all your problems by yourself, when you stop struggling and accept life on life's terms, when you admit that you can't control the world around you, that's when miracles happen. Let go and let God experience the miracle of surrender. 
Um, <laughs> I'm glad my, my wife gave me this little book. Um, and that's what happened that day. That, that was the beginning of surrender uh, for me. Um, I firmly believe that uh, alcoholism is something that runs in families. It's genetic. Uh, I know there is alcoholism in my family. Um, so it probably was not unusual at all that I was an alcoholic. I don't think I became an alcoholic. I think I probably was born one. I was born with the genes that are going to get triggered by alcohol <laughs> or, or going to cause uh, serious problems when I drink alcohol. Um, um, and I kind of lost my train of thought there uh, <laughs> where I was going with that. Um, uh, oh. Um, so September 7th, 1986, um, as my wife and I were yelling at each other, uh, and one thing she said in the midst of that was, I want you out, I want you out of here, get out. Um, I, my daughter, who was, uh, seven at the time, uh, she uh, broke down crying. She was in another room listening to this, and she broke down crying, and she she ran into another room. Um, I I have another daughter who was who was older, who was probably nine or ten at the time, um, and um, she didn't know what to do. She she went in her room and she got under a blanket. Um, I have a son. Uh, he's the he is the oldest, and um, one of the things that I did, uh, I was standing in front of the refrigerator, open this whole time. I was looking at how much beer have I got, which was one can <laughs> in a six pack, because uh, I had drank everything else. And um, one of the things as I was coming to and, and, and realizing I can't do this anymore, was I, oh, he was 11 at the time, I now remember that. And he, I handed him this can of beer and I said, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to take that out to the garbage can and put it in there. Um, I have four children, and I've mentioned three of them. That little girl who ran across the room crying, and the little girl who went in her room and put a blanket over herself, and the boy who carried that beer out and threw it in the garbage for me, um, all became alcoholics later in life. Um, every one of them are sober today. They have been, they have been uh, in the program of AA. Uh, my son was actually a drug addict at one time. Um, and he actually, <clears throat> we, we put him, uh, we put him uh, in a place where that's where he stayed for several weeks uh, into a program uh, in a center 
he ended up eventually not only uh, dealing with uh, dealing with that, but um, he they actually hired him. <laughs> he became a counselor there. Um, that's the miracle of the program of AA. Um, I have I have a, another daughter. She was the, she's the youngest one. Uh, she never did develop into that. Um, she saw what happened with the rest of us, I guess, and pretty much stayed away from it. Once in a while, I see her have a glass of wine. She actually lives in Dublin, Ireland. <laughs> uh, once in a while, she will have a glass of wine, but one, uh, and very infrequently. <clears throat> but uh, none of the rest of us touch it. We just, we just don't. So I've been sober for 36 and a half years now. Um, uh, and I'm very proud of, of my family. Uh, my wife did not throw me out of the house that day. That's how close I came on that one. <laughs> I said, no divorce, no separation. <laughs> I was on the brink of that. Um, she stuck with me, and, and I remember begging her to please don't make me leave today. And uh, somehow she didn't, came to the conclusion not to do that that day. And, and I, I and I managed to get back in the program and stay sober. And, and, and here I am. Um, so where are we time-wise? <laughs> Nowhere near 50 minutes. I guess I've gone on for what, about 40? <laughs> Maybe less, a little less than that. Um, uh, oh, there was, there was another story I wanted to read. Um, uh, and this ties in with the, with the first step. It, it, and I'm not going to read it. I, I'm going to tell you about it. It's on. It's actually on page 509 uh, of the big book. But but what? It's one that that I found very near uh, near and dear to me. Um, and and I, uh, I I love this story. Um, the uh, the man's a hopeless alcoholic. He keeps he keeps going into the hospital for it, being put in the hospital for it. Um, and uh, he can't seem to stay sober at all uh, when he gets out. And this happens repeatedly over and over and over again. Sometimes he gets out and he starts drinking the day he gets out. Um, and uh, so he, he goes through a completely lengthy program in the hospital once again. And he says, um, he says, I got out and it was a nice sunny day and I'm happy with life. And by golly, I'm, I'm going to stay with this. Um, and he says, unfortunately, well, almost unfortunately, he says, uh, he finds $10 in his pocket. And this, this goes back in time where $10 was really something. Uh, and uh, he says, the next thing I know, I'm walking in the back door of one of my haunts, a bar that I steadily drank in. Um, and I don't even realize how I got there. And I'm walking in the back door and I sit down and I order uh the drink that I always ordered there. I forgot what it was. And they put it in front of him. And he says, there's going to be an AA meeting tonight. And maybe I don't, maybe I should not drink 
today and go to that AA meeting tonight. Maybe I can drink tomorrow. How about that? I don't need to drink today. He says, he put his dollar on the bar and he left the drink there. He didn't touch it and he walked out. I don't have to drink today. That's the program. <laughs> that's the program. We say one day at a time, we throw that out. But that's it right there. <laughs> He's sitting there, drink in front of him. I don't have to drink today. I think back to when to when I hit that six month mark, the first time I was in the program and I'm sitting at the bar trying to tell myself, don't order a drink, don't order a drink, don't order a drink. If I had just said, I don't want to drink today, maybe I'd have stayed with the program at that point and saved myself an awful lot of pain in my life. But I didn't do that. I didn't do that at the time. This this man did. and. He, he stayed sober <laughs> uh, and enough to, to write uh, a story which is in the big book. It's on page 509 if you ever want to read that one. Um, share another thing with you. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about a uh, uh, similar topic, but it's called trust, uh, which is actually when we get into step two, you know, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Uh, we need to trust in a higher power. Um, and I read this in, in Grapevine. I don't know if any, any of you subscribe to, to Grapevine. Um, I did when the pandemic hit uh, because suddenly meetings were nowhere, as you can recall. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And Fortunately, the very last meeting I had gone to, they had a few of these sitting uh, sitting in, on the table, and we were allowed to take them home if we wanted to, and I never had. And that particular day, I grabbed a couple of them, took them home, and started reading them, and ended up subscribing to it. I, I still do. Um, and then there was a story in Grapevine, uh, an issue a couple of months ago. Um, the gentleman talked about um, a bird got into his house. <laughs> he left a window open and a bird came in. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had that happen before. I have. Trying to get a bird out of your house. I mean, they freak. <laughs> they don't know where they are. <laughs> and he says, I, I chased this bird around. I closed it in a room. I had a window open. I was trying to get it over to the window. And he says the bird kept flapping around. Well, the bird eventually got worn out and just and the bird just stopped <laughs> and, and it was was near the windowsill. And he says, I looked at the bird and I said, you're going to have to trust me. And he picked the bird up and he held it out the window and let it go free. <laughs> I love that story. That's us. That's us. We couldn't get out of the room. We couldn't get out of the drinking. But we had a higher power that picked us up and held us out that window. And that's freedom. That's on that poster today. Um, you know, we hit, we hit a bottom <laughs> and uh, Eventually, we worked ourselves back to freedom with the help 
of a higher power. Um, I'm going to read one more thing. This is a saying that I that I had uh, that I heard in a meeting just a few days ago, uh, and I wrote it down because I'm going to hopefully keep this with me. The ability to give and receive love without expectations or conditions. That's what we need to concentrate on. We need to have the ability to give and receive love without expectations or conditions. Um, that's what I've got today <laughs> to share with you. And I hope, hope you've got something out of it. And uh, don't ever forget to retake the first step every once in a while. I know I do. Uh, remember, remember what it was like and never want to go back there again and proceed to step two with, with our higher power. That's all for me. Thank you. Thank you so much, George. Um, that was amazing. Um, I've written notes because I have to write notes. Um, um, that's how I learn. I go back and read my notes. I, 